0: I thought I could do better on my own I thought perhaps I'd make it all alone By myself I said I'll find the rainbows in I want that pot of gold that's evaded other men Little did I know this story's twist that the dreams I held so dear did not exist in my darkness I found truth now the light is shining through I found the answer I took Jesus in my heart Shine on me Son of righteousness Try.
1: Every time that I have come here, just uh, I've been, uh, I think, for one of the Ministers and Wives retreats, and uh, then a couple of your men's <coughs> meetings that I've been in, and then camp meeting. In fact, somebody, uh, the secretary, Sister Hester, I believe is her name, even called before we come over and wanted to know what kind of drinks I like to drink, and uh, Sister Coon don't hardly do that. So, uh, y'all just going to spoil me, treating me so good, but I appreciate that, praise God. It's good to be with you folks, and uh, I appreciate the kindness and the love, and it makes you want to come back, amen. Uh, Some of you probably in this state know Brother Ozzie Heyman. I saw Brother John Spears yesterday, I see him back there today, and uh, I used to know him when he had a lot of black hair, and I had blonde hair, and uh, we go way, way back, I haven't seen him for 30 years, I don't imagine, and uh, I was preaching for Brother Ozzie Heyman, you remember Brother Spears, and you was preaching for Brother Clark, and me and him went swimming together, you say, well now what was you two preachers out swimming for, you ought to have They didn't have a bathroom where I was staying at, and you had to take a bath in the creek. And uh, me and Sister Coon preached there after we got married. We took a bath in the creek. That's old-time evangelism, I guess. I don't know how many, I don't know how these folks nowadays would make that. But anyway, I was preaching for Brother Ozzie Haman, and his wife told me this. Now, this is Sister Haman. She told me, she said, you know, Brother Heyman worked for the state. And She said, you know, every day when Ozzy comes home, that was his first name, Ozzy Heyman. She said, every day when Ozzy comes home, said he's got two or three old dogs and they go running out to meet his old state truck. They hear it coming and they go out to meet him and said he stops and pats them and pets them and rubs them and gets their head between his hands and just shakes them and talks to them and. Uh, spends a few minutes with them before he ever comes in the house and so She asked him one day. She said Aussie. I want to know something she said uh, Why is it that you? Uh, so kind to them dogs said you stop and you pet them and you talk to them and and treat them so good She said you don't do me that way when you come home And he said no, and you don't come running out to meet me either <clears throat> so uh, I guess it makes a difference in somebody coming running out to meet you, but you've come running out to meet us, and I want to thank you for being so kind. Praise God. Well, the Lord bless you. How many of you is going to have a good time this week? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, you don't have to do any certain thing for me, okay? Now, I, I, I like to shout and jump and run. And uh can't do quite as high as I used to. But uh, I can still do it. <clears throat> and uh, I, I have people in my church that shout and jump and run. I have some that don't. But I tell them this. ever how you get blessed, you need to get blessed. If you get blessed crying, I don't care if you just stand there and cry. I don't care if you just stand there and jump up and down. I don't care if you just sit down. I don't care if you lay down. But you need to get out of the flesh and get in the Spirit and let the Lord inspire you and encourage you and give you victory today. Is that right? Hallelujah. And uh, it always puzzled me why people would go to the trouble to go to church, take a bath, get ready, put on perfume and deodorant, comb their hair, buy the gas, come to church, and sit down and then pout the whole service. I can't figure that out. If I was going to pout, I'd just stay home in my lazy boy and pout where it's comfortable. Wouldn't you? Amen. Since you're here, why don't we just have a good time? Amen. Enjoy ourselves. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord bless you today. And I want to uh, talk to you from the Word of the Lord again this morning. In the 18th chapter of the book of second chronicles now we don't have a lot of time but uh plenty enough and i want to just talk to you out of my heart i want to thank everybody for inviting me and have so many friends here and uh ministers that i've known through the years and uh i don't know where to start uh brother travis your good superintendent uh i've known him for a long time and uh I remember his guitar playing, evangelizing days. That goes back a while. And uh, all the members of the board, Brother Shake Snyder, the old-time Louisiana man, <laughs> just a lot of folks I'm seeing out there. That, uh, And I do appreciate all of you. I appreciate the ministers of the gospel, don't you? I appreciate the saints. Amen. Amen. I appreciate our young preachers that's coming on, don't you? Praise the Lord. And uh, young saints, God bless you today in the name of the Lord. Thank you for inviting us to come. And let's make this as good a week as we can. I'd like to give you something to go home with, to try to help you in your life for the Lord, and walking with God. In the book of Second Chronicles chapter 18, the first two verses, the Bible says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance. And for the people that he had with him. And persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. I could read you the rest of that story. But I think most of you know it. So I will stop there. Right now would you just pray and ask the Lord to anoint me and to anoint you as we go into the Word of the Lord. Father, we need You this morning. Hallelujah. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Bless Your people today. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost rest upon every one of us, I pray. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Praise God. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You can be seated. The Lord richly bless you today. And I want to say how much I enjoyed the preaching yesterday before I get into the Bible lesson. Uh, I enjoyed uh, the men that spoke to us. And then I certainly enjoyed Brother Mooney preaching to us last night. Praise the Lord. I want to go through, don't you? And I'm, uh, I didn't know what he was going to preach about. And he didn't know what I was going to teach about. But this, this message had been stirring in my heart. And it's sort of in conjunction with that mindset and with that purpose of heart of going through and of making it and finishing the race that we have begun. And I want to finish and finish well, don't you? Praise the Lord. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about the test of time. The test of time. Now, the Bible tells us here that it was after certain years that Jehoshaphat went down to Ahab in Samaria and uh, made an affinity with him. Now, time is a wonderful thing. It can be a friend and an ally, and it can also be a tremendous foe. It can be a hard thing for us. Solomon said that to everything there is a time and there is a season for every purpose that is under heaven. And so in our lives, time moves us from one season to another, from one purpose to the next, and it just seems like that almost involuntarily we are pushed and we are shoved by that element of time and we're shuffled by the forces of time into certain situations and environments and difficulties and good times and bad times and all of that. And I know that God is eternal and He inhabits eternity. But uh, He has imposed upon us the limitations of time. And all of us understand that and we recognize that. And uh, sometimes we uh, we get the opinion and we get the idea that starting good and making good statements and big statements and all of that, that uh, this is within itself. a a proving ground, and it is final authority and final proof of what we would like to be. But it is only through the passage of time that uh, we can prove ourselves to God, and we can prove ourselves to our generation, and even to ourselves, that we prove ourselves, and we prove what we are really saying. It's not just a one-time operation of a gift of the Spirit or a talent in our life that really establishes our relationship with God. It's not our statements and all of us through the years have heard many, many of them. And I certainly have no reason to speak disparagingly of anyone. I am a pastor. My goal is not to destroy or to hurt or to drive away people even that may fail to some degree. but. My efforts are to restore them, and to help them, and to encourage them, and and try to get them back on the right path. So I'm not here today with a vindictive spirit, and um, I'll confess to you that people do not look as good to me going as they do coming. They look better to me coming than they do going. Amen. And that doesn't mean that I want to compromise, that I want to be weak, and I do not want to stand uh, for the truth. Praise God. A lot of people think that cleaning up a church is cleaning it out, and that's not necessarily true. I believe that we can clean up our lives, and the church can be shaped up, and at the same time it can grow, and it can thrive, and it can be good. Amen. And uh, just get, getting rid of the individual does not always solve the problem. So when I talk about what I'm talking about today, I want you to know that it's in the context of mercy and of compassion and of forgiveness. But at the same time, it is not enough for us just to make bold and brash statements and, and say what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. And, and that's always easy to do. But I'm going to tell you something, it takes a big man to carry it out and a big woman to carry it out after we have declared ourselves. It's not just the sermons that I preach that really impresses God the most, but it's how I live it after I have preached it. Amen. And it's not just the fast that we go on and say, well, I'm going to fast today and I'm going to pray today. But the key is, what are we going to do tomorrow? And what are we going to do the next day? And what are we going to do the next day? I want to tell you, friend, God's looking for somebody that will just get in the church and stay with the church. Hallelujah! Get with the ministry and stay with the ministry. Praise God! And it takes and it takes a dedication. It takes a commitment. As Brother Mooney preached, it takes that uh, mental concept that I'm going to go through. I'm going to see the finish of this. I'm going to see the other side of it. Praise God! And um, so I'm here today to inspire you, if I can, to encourage you said, let's get in the church and let's stay in the church. Praise God. It's not just the one night stands. It's not just the beginning that makes the difference. It's not just the big shout and the big hooray of today, but it's where we're going to walk tomorrow and how are we going to stand. Praise God. And uh, uh, I, I know that many, many start and somewhere we've got to start. I'm not against the start. I'm not against the enthusiasm of the beginner. We need some of that. Amen. You know, I like to pray people through that are just wild-eyed and bushy-tailed, I guess you could say. And, and they, just, they just go bonkers when the Holy Ghost comes down. I like to see people like that. Amen. They stir up a bunch of old codgers like me and make me want to shake a leg a little bit. Hallelujah. But then when I can't keep up with them, they slow down a little bit after a while. Amen. I'm not worried about you slowing down. I'm worried about you stopping. That's the thing. That's the reason the Bible talks about pray without ceasing. I've heard preachers and and saints, they they take that Scripture and they try to sound so spiritual with it. And they just say, you know, I just pray all the time. And if I'm not praying, I'm in a spirit of prayer all the time. Well, how come you blowed your stack when you got a $175 water bill? What, What was you doing then? Down at the utility office. They didn't think you was a praying much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I'm not off of the subject really. Too much. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that you pray 24 hours a day. That doesn't mean that you pray uh, just on and on and on unceasingly all the time. You know what the writer is saying? He is saying don't stop praying. Praise God. You know, now, I, I told you I wasn't very spiritual, so don't don't expect a whole lot out of me. Okay, Brother Reed? You've been knowing me a while. You know I, I'm just an old coon. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're just an old codger. You gray-headed Zion. Amen. You know, and, and, I, and I, I don't want to doubt anybody, but these folks that pray four, five, six, seven, eight hours every day, Seven days a week, 365 days a year. I don't have any problem with with them doing that. I just have a problem believing they do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're doing that, you ain't never pastored a church very much. Hallelujah! I, I believe, and I believe in all the praying and fasting you can do. Just get with it. Now, I'm not against praying and fasting. And you say, "Well, oh, brother Coon, he's just trying to kill kill my my dedication to God." I'm just trying to get you to keep it, okay? All right. Hallelujah. And and the writer is is not telling us that that you just gotta pray 24 hours a day, but he's telling you that you need to have a consistent prayer life. Amen. I'll be honest with you and tell you that some days I pray more than others. But I want to tell you the key to it, it's not being that maybe I was the marathon prayer and that I'm going to get the golden cup for praying the most hours, but the key to it is that I'm still doing it after 43 years. Praise God. It's when you stop that you're going to get in trouble. But it is that continuity. It is that going back again and again and again and again. And you stay with it. That's the way we survive. And that's the way we're going to make it to that celestial shore is when we purpose in our heart, I refuse to stop. I refuse to give up. I'm going to keep on going to church. I'm going to keep on serving God. I'm going to stay with it all the days of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Now, we got all different kinds of folks in our church. I like to talk to people most of the time. I like to talk to people that's not praying anybody through but millionaires and doctors and lawyers. And I like to. Sounds good, Brother Reed. Sounds good. That's about all that ever gets the Holy Ghost under their ministry. Well, and Gina, we just got all kinds. Amen. We just got all kinds. We got one guy, he told me he had a low high (laughs) Q. So we got at least one fella with a low high Q. Praise God. We just got, you know, we got a wide range. We got folks in the nursing home, we got folks that's young, we got all kinds. And uh, thank God for every one of them. I'm serious, thank God for every one of them. And I don't pastor cliques, and I don't pastor families, and I don't pastor the best tithe payers, and I don't cater to the rich nor to the poor. I'm just everybody's pastor. I'm sorry. Lord's probably not going to speak to you to come to Gina. He did one lady. He, She moved from up north. She said, the Lord told me to come to Gina. I said, glad to have you. I don't know who told her to leave, but she left. <laughs> Praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, he don't tell many people to come to Gina. I was telling somebody last night in 1910, when our parish was separated from Catahoula Parish, LaSalle Parish had 9,600 people in it, Brother Travis, in 1910. In 1996, it had 13,600. We have grown 4,000 in the last 86 years. So we're on the move. So God's not telling a lot of people to come to Gina. Amen. Now I know this is going to shock you. I know this is going to absolutely shock you. There have been a few times that I have not got to preach in my church on Sunday night and on Sunday morning. The Holy Ghost just fall and I'm telling you and I have seen us get to the first song and the Spirit of God just take over. I like it like that, don't you? Oh, praise God. That's good, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, I have, and, and, and we have a few services, believe it or not, and I'm sorry to shock you and upset you. We have a few that we sing and we testify and I preach and it's all just as dead as a doorknob. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, oh, every time we meet together, we just run. That's all right. Nothing wrong with that. But you ain't a running in the Holy Ghost every night. Some folks are just a running. <laughs> and it ain't nothing wrong. I don't care if you just run. I don't care. Just take off. I do that exercising sometimes. <laughs> I told y'all this wasn't going to be very deep, and it's really not. And I'm going somewhere. Just hang on. Praise God. Sometimes I go to the prayer room and it is full of men. You can't hardly find a place to kneel there. They just everywhere praying. Sometimes I get up there and there's nobody but me and God. Hallelujah. In fact, I used to go to the prayer room and, and if I got down to pray, I'd, I'd look out from under this arm to see who was here and I'd listen for somebody to see who was praying And pretty soon I was out of the spirit. Brother Reed, I was aggravated because there wasn't nobody in there. (laughs) You know what? I got the victory over that. I said, my God, I'm not praying. I'm just up here seeing who is a praying. It's not doing me any good. And time is time for me to get out. I was half aggravated. And out of the spirit, And the Lord gave me a sermon for everybody that wasn't a praying. Amen. And all of that, I decided I'm just going to go to pray. And I don't care who shows up. I'm just going to keep praying. I'm going to talk to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, we just have all kinds of things in our church. We have programs and we have fish fries. In fact, Saturday we're going to have a fish fry. And I'm going to tell you what. And, and it's, it's several days till Saturday, but I'm going to prophesy of an event that's going to occur on Saturday in Gina, Louisiana. I'm going to prophesy what's going to happen there. And it's not in the Holy Ghost either. But I'm going to tell you, Brother Travis, it's going to be a rip-roaring success. We're going to have a crowd Saturday. In fact, I'd like for you to come. Because we're not going to charge anything. And there'll be people there that hadn't been there since the last one. And I say, man, it's good to see you. Well, I know I hadn't been coming to church like I ought to, but I thought it'd do me good to just get out of the house this evening. Yeah, did you good yesterday to be at Walmart's too, didn't it? <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so we, we we was cooking one day at the church, and somebody asked me said. Brother Coon, you think, wasn't hardly anybody there. They said, you think anybody's gonna show up? I said, man, we have never had a free mail yet that was a failure. You better believe they're gonna show up. And that's fine. That's alright. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just simply telling you that in the good times and in the bad, in the storm and in the trial, and churches go through trials just like people go through trials, with the fish-fries and with the programs, with the ups and the downs. I want to tell you what makes the church. Hallelujah. It's not just the one-nighters that come. It's not the fish-fry crowd. But it's that crowd that says, I'm going to be here rain or shine. Sleet or snow, praise God. I'm going to be here when you're preaching good, Brother Coon. And I'm going to be here when the preaching is not so good. I'm going to stay with it. I'm in this for the long run. I'm going to stay true to God. Hallelujah. I'll be here whoever's preaching. Praise God. Amen. A lot of times I leave home and I tell everybody at church, I say, now, me and my saints are going to be gone this week. i got a few saints. So I tell them, me and my saints will be back next Sunday. Now all the God's saints will be here for Wednesday night. But me and my saints are going to be gone a few days. So y'all pray for us while we're gone. Hallelujah. Oh, you better not get preacher religion. You better be faithful to your church at home. Praise God. Amen. I'm telling you folks, we're going to have to go through the test of time. Amen. It's just the passing of the day. It's just the rise and the fall of the tide. It's just the good and the bad. It's the cloudy. It's the rain. It's the sun. It's the heat, the cold. It's just the passing of time. But what are you going to do in the Kingdom of God? Paul said, I labor that whether present or absent, I may be accepted of Him. Praise God. He said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. But it's better for me to stay here and be with you. But it doesn't make any difference if I'm over yonder, if I'm down here, what's going on? I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be in the presence of God. I want to tell you, that's the kind of saints that make a good church. That's the kind of a preacher that makes a good pastor. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to be here. I'm going to ride the storm out. The years are not going to separate me from the things of God and the love of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <clears throat> Folks, we better make up our minds. I'm just going to stay with it. Hallelujah. When we're having revival and when we're not having revival. Praise God. When the preaching's good and when the preaching is not so good. When the storms are raging. When the, when the good things are happening. And when things are not so good, I'm going to stay with the church. Praise God. Praise God. I learned a long time ago, you can't build your life on sensationalism. You can't build your life on just big things and good things. And and, and you can't live on cotton candy. Amen. You can't live on ice cream. You can't just live on the sweet things and the nice things. But sometimes we've just got to get down in the trenches... And we've got to say, I'm going to live for God. And this was the tragedy of Jehoshaphat's life. He was a good man. He ruled uh, Judah for 25 years, and uh, he he rose in righteousness. But the tragedy of his life is the Bible said that after certain years, it was the wearing of time. It was the passing of time that Ahab got to where he didn't look so bad. And old wicked Jezebel across the line didn't look so bad. And he made an affinity with him. And he got in trouble with God. I want to tell you, friend, I don't want the passage of time. I do not want the compromise of a generation. I do not want the sins of the time to wear down my spirit and my resilience and my dedication to God. But I want to make up my mind I'm going through and I'm going to let the The world do what it wants to do, but I'm gonna stay with the church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Now I just feel kind of like I'm at home. And so I'm just gonna make myself at home. Praise God. I'm not trying out for another camp meeting, so I'm just gonna be myself, all right? Now I've had the Holy Ghost forty three years. I've been preaching about forty one of them. and pastoring for uh, over 35 years. I'm 57. You can add it up for yourself. Got the Holy Ghost when I was 14. And I've been pastoring in Gina going on 20 years. So, my life has been spent around the church and around the people of God. And I'm telling you, it's been a good life. You hear what I'm saying? It's been a good life. Living for God. But in my experience, especially in the ministry, every few months in the last forty plus years of preaching, there is always something new coming down the pike. I got in on the tail end of the latter rain. When they was everybody got to loving everybody. And you run the church with the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody had a gift. Everybody was prophesying. Everybody was talking in tongues. The smoke was filling the house. Amen. And then I lived through the oil dripping off of people's hands. Hallelujah. And the serpent seed doctrine and the Adam doctrine. Been there and done that, hadn't we, Brother Reed? Amen. Filling teeth. Praise God. If you live right, you won't ever get sick. Just on and on and on and on. And it doesn't ever stop. And it's not going to stop. The devil's always got some kind of new novelty. He's always got something to attract you. He's always got something going on over here. Amen. It's like I've often said. I was with my brother-in-law one day and I saw an old crippled bird out by the side of the road. And I told my brother-in-law, my wife's brother, I said, Kenny, stop and let me catch that bird. He said, you can't catch that bird. I said, well, I can. The old bird just a-hopping along and, and one wing a-dragging the ground. And I said, let me catch that bird. He said, man, that's a keeldeed. keeldeer. deer actually is a proper pronunciation. He said, that's a keeldeer. I said, I don't care what it is. I can catch it. He said, no, you can't. He said, that's an old mama keeldeer. And said, she ain't crippled, she's just putting on. Said, she's got a nest over there somewhere and she's trying to pull you aside and she's just acting like she's crippled to get your attention away from what she don't want you bothering. I said, you stop and I'll catch her. Well, you couldn't catch her with a racehorse. Amen. I'm going to tell you, I run into a lot of keeldees all the time. Some trying to get your attention over there, over yonder and somewhere else. I don't know how many wrecks I've nearly had. Sister Coon said, Look, honey, look, look, look. I said, What is it? That pretty house with them green shutters over yonder about a quarter of a mile. And I'm going 75 down the interstate. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't do much shopping and drive and not get killed. Hallelujah. Just running off of the road, getting sidetracked. Hallelujah. And there's always something coming along. Now you just chalk it up any way you want to. You can say you're outdated, you're old-fashioned, you're just plodding along. I, I, you know, I just don't really care anymore. I've got so old, to, it don't make me any difference. I'm not running for anything, running from anything, not trying to impress anybody. There's two things I don't want in life is another wife and another church. And so I'm just I'm just me today and I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. Praise God. And so I'm not I'm not too caught up in what's going on in this old world. Because you see, I've got a city in mind. Praise God. I've got a place that I'm headed to. And I don't want the years and the passage of time and the invention of something new and exciting and exhilarating and thrilling in the name of God. I don't want to get caught up in all of that. I know where I'm going and what's right. And I want to stay with that. Praise God. Amen. Anybody feel the same way? Praise God. That's the reason I'm not too excited about all this music stuff nowadays. That stuff you can't understand. Well, hallelujah. Praise God just a bunch of racket I don't go in bars but every once in a while you just get close to one and I really can't tell a whole lot of difference in the bebopping bopping there and the bebop in somewhere I've been amen I was at a meeting one time and I told the preacher in fact it was the superintendent I told him I said you know if the electricity goes off here this thing's over I ain't never heard no such racket in my life. Some people think it's cause it's loud it's the Holy Ghost. If you talk fast, you're anointed. I got a man my church talks so fast you can't hardly understand him, but he can do that when he's chewing his wife out. He ain't anointed, he just talks fast. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God! This is about as good as it's going to get. So you just tell everybody there ain't much to it, but that's just the way it is. Amen. Now this is Gina. I'm not your pastor. I, if you if you like it, God bless you. Just God bless you. You know. But but I that's just Brother Coon. Hallelujah. But I can tell you this: God is against anything that's not decent and in order, and He's against anything that creates confusion. And anything you can't understand it, in fact, the the high and the lofty gift of speaking in tongues, he said, if there's nobody there to interpret it, don't just keep on talking. And there ain't nobody around to interpret some of these songs. So you just need to quit. That's one blessing of them singing to a tape. At least it's going to stop. And my misery is going to end. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm just not interested. I'm sorry, but I'm not interested. Praise the Lord. You say, well, you don't like new songs? Yeah, if you can understand them. If you can pat your foot to them. If you can clap your hands every once in a while. Praise God. I'm just telling you that the years are going to bring all kinds of things to us. Praise God. It just, you know. And if it's going to affect us, I don't think we ought to get caught up in it. I think we ought to make up our minds that I'm going to live for God. I'm going to stay true to God. I'm going to stay with the church. Now we're being inundated with all kinds of new revelations, new lights, new understanding, new scripture, changing, saying, you know, you know, this stuff that we used to preach is not really right. Our standards were all wrong. These old-time preachers, they just sold us a bill of goods and there wasn't nothing to it. If that's the truth, all of our elders are lost. And what they handed us was not the truth. And what I've been preaching for the last 40 years is not the truth. I'm going to tell you, friend, I'm not going to buy into that. Praise God. And whenever this charismatic wave is all over, the devil's going to have another new novelty coming along. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now I said this Sunday morning, I said if you ladies think I'm gonna get up here and tell you that you can cut your hair and you can start wearing makeups and, and makeup and shorts and slacks and you men can cut the sleeves out of your shirt and wear gold chains and beards and mustaches and let your hair grow down your collar, you're just barking up the wrong tree. This old coon ain't gonna change. Hallelujah. Now I said that in Gena, Louisiana. So I think I'll just say it in Mississippi. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, folks, we don't need to buy into what the devil's trying to sell us. It's not a new revelation. It's a lie of the devil. Amen. I'm telling you, Acts 2.38 is right. I'm telling you that living holy, dressing holy, acting holy, serving God is still right. And we need to stand for it. We need to live it. You need to back your pastor up and say, I'm going to back you up, pastor. Hallelujah. And you need to make your kids obey it, too. Praise God. You can be seated. Some people really believe it till their young'uns get involved. And they really believe it till their grandkids get involved. I'm going to tell you, friend, if it's good enough for mama to wear her hair long, it's good enough for you to quit cutting the bangs on the little girl's hair. Praise God. If it's good enough for the ladies to wear dresses, it's good enough for your little girls to be wearing dresses. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, after certain years, Ahab got to looking good. Jezebel got to looking good. Let's go have a battle together. Let's join up. I'm not for joining up with anything that is not of God, that is not of this truth. Hallelujah! In fact, I'm 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 for separating ourselves. Amen. You say, Brother Coon, people can't live that. Hey, they've been living it for all of these years. God, don't ask us to do anything we can't live. Amen. Living holy is a livable, doable lifestyle. Praise God! It's not an imposition. It's not a restriction. I'm telling you, it's not the lie of Pharisaism. It's not asceticism. Amen. It's not legalism. It's biblical apostolic truths. Hallelujah! Oh, hear me today. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just sorry, but these people that think they've got these new revelations and, and moving up into some kind of a new light, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with them. They have lost their direction, and they have lost their convictions, and they've lost their prayer life. And their devotion to God. These two people in that category called themselves backslid. And now it's a new revelation. I've come to tell you folks, we need to stay with the church. We need to stay with the truth. We need to raise our families in the things of God. And back up our pastor at our home church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It's not the guy that starts. It's not the one that says, I'm gonna do big things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be this and I'm gonna be that. Bless God, it's the person that gets in there and just says, I'm gonna do it. Year after year. Day after day. You don't have to do a lot of blowing about what you're gonna do and and a lot of bragging about how you're gonna live and what you're gonna preach. Bless God, just live it and do it and prove to this world that God is real. That's all you gotta do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah how many of you have ever bought a 50th anniversary gift for somebody that was on a honeymoon trip? Anybody ever do that? I don't. In fact, I get kind of aggravated buying these gifts for people when they get married. Cause the ain't don't get dry good till they're divorced. Separated. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I learned a long time ago, you can get married under orange blossoms and still get a lemon. (laughs) Hallelujah. And a woman's a whole lot like a cantaloupe. You can squeeze them. And you can hold them and you can feel them, but you still don't know what you got. (laughs) That's true. I'm just telling you. And that is the reason. Now, now if, if I'm off course, somebody can help me. But this is experience, Brother Nation. I don't do any premarital counseling. I don't do any. I don't talk to people that's fixing to get mad. Call them in the office and spend 14 sessions with the man and 22 with the lady and 13 together. I don't even do one. Because when you think you're in love, you go blind and deaf. And the older you are, the blinder you are and the more deaf you are. And you take some old codger that comes in the office and got his hair dyed and he's fixing to get married again, you ain't gonna tell him nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just learned to quit wasting my time. You know, because and I've done a little of that, but they come in the office and they sit down on the couch and you couldn't put a pen between them. And they all hug up. And they're rolling their eyes. Tell him, baby. <laughs> two can live cheap as one. Where y'all gonna live? Oh, the Lord will provide, won't he, honey? You got a job? No, but we're believing God. Is that right? <laughs> Hallelujah wasting your time there's two amen well, you don't do no good to tell them you don't need to get married that's just going to make them want to get married they just they're going to do it now i do a lot of post marital counseling i get them when they setting one on this end and one on that end and they're looking this way instead of rolling their eyes at the other hallelujah I'm talking about staying amen staying put staying married hallelujah amen I could preach a long time on that just making up your mind you're going to stay together and you're gonna you're gonna make it through. I left the house one day, and Sister Coon said, "Honey, are you coming back?" I said, "I've been coming back for thirty-some years. Sure, I'll be back. Yeah, I'm gonna turn up." going nowhere hallelujah or are you going to be Wednesday night? i'm going to be at church well do you know brother so-and-so's preaching i don't care i'm going to be at church hallelujah amen he just ain't my favorite i don't believe i'm going to be there help us lord i love people that just stay with it i love people that are faithful that through the years they just keep on a marching Hallelujah. They may not be the most flashy. They may not be the most dynamic. But they're faithful to the cause of Jesus Christ. And that's what God is looking for in this generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've said it many, many times. And I'm going to say it again. I've got one of the greatest miracle churches in the UPC. We have lots of miracles in our church. I mean, scabs of them. And I'm not exaggerating. That's not evangelistic. That's pastoral. We have lots of miracles. Lots of miracles. But most of them occur on Monday morning and on Thursday morning. It's when the Lord works the most in our town. Hallelujah. You know, I just feel so bad tonight, I don't believe I can make it like a kid missing a school bus hallelujah come on folks let's let's do better than that let's just make up our minds we're going to stay with it it doesn't matter what comes it doesn't matter what goes i'm going to stay with the church but you understand that time can deface and it can wear down and it can hinder and it can hurt but listen to me friend the prize does not go to the sprint runner. It does not go to the man that begins the quickest and the fastest, but it goes to the man and to the woman that endures. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, but it's to the one that endures to the end. The same shall be saved. That's the way we're going to make it after a while, is by just staying true to God. Amen. I uh, <coughs> I pastored a man one time in uh, Indiana just... Uh, and I saw Brother Mooney come in while go just south of where he pastures. I was in Columbus, Indiana, 40 miles south of Indianapolis. And we had in our church, he was a black man, wonderful man, highly educated, and he was a qualified and certified locksmith. In fact, he was the guy that set all of the time clocks for the big vaults and the banks in Columbus. <coughs> he had that expertise. He wasn't just one of these little... Uh, Lock men, you know, that fix locks and unlock car doors. He uh, he was he was into the heavy stuff, and in, into the real intricate stuff of time clocks. Maybe two or three doors into vast vaults, and and he would set those numerous clocks that open the vaults at certain times, and and all of that. And I was talking to him one day, and and I said, Brother Martin, I said, um, uh, what kind of lock? Uh, do you have and, and, and do they have a lock invented yet that nobody can, can, can get through and nobody can break it and nobody can decipher the code or, or, or whatever. And he said, Brother Coon, he said, really, that's not even the goal of, of locks and the and, and vaults and all of that. He said, they don't, they don't make a vault that you can't get in. They don't make a lock that can't be uh, broken and cannot be decoded and cannot be entered. He said, that's not even the, the purpose of a lock. I said, well, what is the purpose of a lock then if it's not something that nobody can get through and, 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 and it's absolutely fail-proof? He said, the purpose of a lock is, is not to stop a thief, but it's to slow him down. Because he said, time is the biggest enemy of a thief. And he said, if you can keep him working at it long enough, he's going to get caught. And, and that's the goal of it, is to retard his progress. And you know what? Time is a great enemy to the thief. It is a great enemy to the hypocrite. It is a great enemy to the liar. It is a great enemy to anything that is false and that is not right. But it is the greatest ally of a man that is righteous and that is true and that is living for God. And all free, listen to me. As the years click by and as the days go by, they ought to just register with God. They ought to register with man that we are walking with God, that we are serving God, that we're staying true, that by the grace of God we're going to finish. We're not quitting the race. We're not departing from the faith. But we're going to walk on until we finish what we have begun. Praise God. Praise God. But I want to tell you, that in the passage of time, all kinds of things are going to come against you. Every kind of uh, a temptation, every kind of spirit, every kind of attitude, every kind of effort of the devil. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you today. But listen to me carefully. The devil's going to try one kind of ploy, and he's going to try another. He may work through your family. He may work through your kids. He may work through some devious element to get you distracted and to get your mind off of the goal, and to get you sidetracked and disturbed, and to get you offended. You know, the devil would love nothing more than to get you offended, and to drive you out of the church. Praise God. I want to tell you, you can't build anything on people just passing by. They're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. I'm going to tell you what builds a church is saints that get in it. They can stay there through pastoral changes. They can stay there when they paint the bathrooms pink and they change them to green and they put red carpet on the floor and they change it to black you just say i'm going to church i'm not going to lose the victory somebody got my parking place somebody got my pew but i'm still going to go to church still going to live for god the devil's going to bring all kinds of temptations and trials and and spirits and attitudes against you i remember one sunday morning sitting in my office. It was quite a while before Sunday school and I was studying and somebody knocked at the door and, and I got up and went to the door. My, my desk was like right here where this pulpit's at and it was kind of a long, narrow office and out there was the door. And I went and opened the door and there was, I guess, the oldest man in the church uh, standing there. He was 85 at the time. And he said, Brother Coon, i got to talk to you. And he come in. He sit down in a chair, over sort in front of my desk. And he, I can see him in my eyes, mine's eye today. He sit there, a heavy old man, uh, been in that church for many years, and and he just started weeping profusely. And he stopped and he said, "Son, lock the door." And uh, I wasn't offended because he called me son at his age. I was about thirty. Two, maybe. And uh, I said, what? He said, lock that door. I said, all right. I got up, walked by him, and went and locked the door. And I called him by name. I said, what's the matter? And he just started weeping again. And I said, well, well, try to get a hold of yourself and tell me what's wrong. And he just kept crying and crying. And the minute he said, "Uh, well, he said, "Uh, I've just come to tell you, Brother Coon, that I'm going to the penitentiary. And I said, what? He said, yes, sir, I'm gone. And I said, well, what in the world's going on? I thought he committed a crime. And he said, well, you've been preaching pretty straight, you know, about the living right and getting your heart right and your life right. And he said, God's been dealing with me. And I said, what's he been dealing with you about? He said, well, the first thing is, and he said it don't amount to much. He said, I went to a doctor and he did an eye surgery on me and I lost my eye. And I said, I wasn't going to pay him. But he said, I'll pay him. That's not much. I'll send him the money. And he said, I'll straighten that up. And I said, okay. I said, what's, what's the other problem? And he started crying again. He said, oh. He said, I'm going to the penitentiary. He said, there's no way to stay out. And I said, well, tell me what's the problem. i probably not. And so, <coughs> excuse me. He said, um, and through his sobs, he told me this story. He said, 40 years ago, in the Depression, He said, I lost my job. My wife lost her job. He said, we lost everything we had. Didn't have anything. And he said, they were getting ready to repossess and to take my house and put me out on the street. And he said, just before they did, he said, I set it on fire. And I burned it down. And he said, I had insurance on it. And I collected $700 in insurance. Now, that doesn't sound like much now, but in the Depression, that was big money. And uh, so he, he was crying through all of this, this, and I said, Well, uh, is the insurance company still in business? And he said, Oh, my God. He said, That's what I'm worried about. They're still right here in town. And I said, Well, you do have a problem. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go to the penitentiary, I'm sure, over this. And I said, well, would you would you give me a chance to work on it? Now you see, here's a man that was in the church and the devil was trying to destroy him with something that he was bringing against him. And I don't know what's going to come against you, sir or ma'am, but I want to tell you the devil's going to fight you. You're not going to make it easy. You're going to have to make up your mind. I'm going to serve God day in, day out, year in, year out. I'm going to be true. Amen. Amen. And so... We, I talked to him for a while, and I said, Well, now listen, you give me a chance to work on this. He gave me the name of the insurance company. I said, I'll go to work on this tomorrow. And so I did, because I wanted to help him. He wanted to make it right. He said, Whatever i got to do to make it right, he said, I want my soul to be saved. And he said, I, I've, I've just, I've, I'm wrong, and I've got to get right. And so the next morning, I went down to the insurance company. I talked to the gentleman that was in charge of the company, and I said, I'm going to withhold the gentleman's name, Unless you force it. And I just want to tell you, I explained, I was a pastor. And I said, I've got an older man. He's 85 years old. He's under conviction. And he wants to get right with God. I just told it like it was. And he said, well, I can appreciate that. He said, what is the problem? And you don't have to tell me his name. And so I explained to him about him burning his house. And I said, your insurance company insured it. And I said, what does the gentleman need to do to get right with you and to get right with God? And he said, I don't know, Reverend. He said, um, "He said the statute of limitations has expired. He said, we can't prosecute him. He said, I don't want to do nothing to him. But he said, he ought to do something to make it right. And you know, the Lord always helps you in tough times. And I said, I think he should too. And I said, you know what? We're getting ready to build a new church. And I said, what would you think about if he just give $700 on that new church? Would you think he was right and would you consider that straightened up between him and god and between him and this insurance company he said i think that's a marvelous idea reverend i said all right i said i'll leave here and go talk to him if he pays it i'll write you a letter and i'll sign it and have the church secretary sign it and you'll never know the gentleman and he'll be right with you and with god i went to the old man's house and i called him out and i told him what i told the insurance company. And I told him, I said, I told him that we was building a church and I thought it'd be a good idea if you give $700 to the building fund. And he said, if you do that, it'd all be straight. He said, get in the car, boy, let's go to the bank. So I drove him to the bank. He said, now you just sit here and I'll be back in a minute. Praise God. He probably had enough money to burn a wet mule. But that didn't make any difference. I wasn't worried about what he had. And so he went in the bank. He come back. And I can see him today. He sat down in my car and had his suit on and he leaned across the seat and he counted out seven brand new $100 bills and he started crying and he said, I feel better right now than I have felt in 40 years. Praise God. He said, thank you, Brother Kuhn, for helping me. I said, thank you, Brother. Praise God. I want to tell you, folks, we need to do everything we can To be right with God and to be true with God. And to have our soul pure in the sight of Almighty God. Amen. I don't want to walk through life with all of this baggage. Amen. I've said it for years and I mean it. I'm just as sincere as I've ever been in my life. I don't have an enemy in the world. Now I might be somebody's enemy. I might be your enemy, Brother Reed, but you're not mine. I don't think I'm yours, but I'm just using you for an illustration. I refuse to live with grudges and hates and bad feelings. Amen. Say, well, brother, so and so, he did so and so to me. So what? Hallelujah. We need to learn to let some things go, folks. We need to learn to to turn loose and say, I'm not going to hold on to that. Amen. Somebody's going to cross you. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to disturb you. But oh, bless your heart. Let's make up our mind. I'm going to keep walking with God. I'm not going to let the passage of time and the things time bring to me, I'm not going to let them destroy my relationship with God and with my wife and with my church. Amen. Are you listening to me today? Praise God. I think one of the favorite passages, most favorite passage of scripture in the Bible that I have. One of one of my favorites. I mean it's just one of the most novel things. And and it and it it doesn't it doesn't state any particular directive. It doesn't it doesn't make any promises. It doesn't make a command. It doesn't say anything to me personally. It's uh it's not anybody preaching. It's not part of a sermon. It's not part of an epistle. And and it and, and to read it it just seems like just a dull historical fact. And it's just a piece of the Scripture that, that has no impetus behind it and no directives and, and no charges to anybody. But it's there. And I love this Scripture. It's in the last verse of the first chapter of Daniel. And this is all it says. It just simply says, And Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. That's all it says. And Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now Daniel had refused the king's meat. He had said no in the first chapter. We all know that story. And that is a thrilling thing. And we get excited about that. But we can read the last verse of the chapter. And Daniel continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. And we don't get excited about that. But I get absolutely thrilled every time I read that. You know why? Simply because that little verse... If you'll study the background of it, Daniel history says was maybe somewhere around 15 years old as a teenager in Babylon. But if you study from that point until the time of his death and the first year of King Cyrus, there is a 75 year interval. And the thing that thrills me is that not only did he say no to the king's meat, but for the next 75 years, he just kept walking with God through the rise and the fall and the good times and the bad. He just stayed true to God. That's the thing that I want to do is stay true to God. Hallelujah. I don't care if there's any colorful, flavorful thing said about me. If, if, if it can just be said that he continued... To the finish. He continued to the finish. That's all I need for anybody to say. It's not how many miracles I saw. It's not how many fish fries I went to. It's not how many laps I made about the church. But how long did I stay? Did I stay true, Brother Reed? Did I stay faithful? Did I finish the course that I was involved in? That's the thing that I'm really concerned about today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, some people get so excited. And they get so lifted up in pride. You know, pride is one of the silliest things in the world. Amen. I get amazed at people. And Pardon me. You know, I see people come into the church. They don't have anything. They get the Holy Ghost and start paying their tithes and God starts blessing. I see people raised poor as Job's turkeys, we say in Gina. Don't have anything. And I understand that. I grew up the same way. Now, Brother Reed, I'm sure you was quite wealthy in your childhood. But, uh, you know, you just kind of look like you've always been rich. But that wasn't the truth where I come from. But you know, I see people that didn't have anything and they grew up with nothing, and they'll get them a new car. And, boy, you can tell. They just think they're the hottest thing on the block. Amen. Got a new car. And they had not got sense enough to know that three months ago, that car they're driving was a bunch of snuff cans and a, and, a, and a bunch of old wreck cars and a bunch of tin lids off of five-gallon buckets. And they melted it down and run it through a stamping mill and sprayed some paint on it. And then they fixed a plastic emblem and covered it with gold paint and melted down a bunch of pampers and, that had been used and, and milk jugs and and, and all kinds of stuff and made you a plastic dash and put in it and you get behind the wheel and you think you're somebody come to town. Hallelujah. Isn't that goofy? Getting lifted up over a car. Well, you ought to see what the name is. Well, it don't matter what the name is, don't you? You know, I get so sick of people looking in my suit. What what name brand is it? Oh, that ain't no J.C. Penney. It's got your name in it. You're a Reed, ain't you? That's a Reed suit. Amen. What difference does it make? You know, we just we just think a lot of things is just just the greatest thing in all of the world, and it really doesn't amount to anything in our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You get you know some people get a a new brand of spray net and get their hair styled up a little bit, and they think you know, oh, praise God, I'm just I'm just something here. Come to town. Help us, Lord. Praise God. I don't care if you're not neat and bow-legged and tongue-tied and cross-eyed and whatever you are, you ought to make up your mind, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to have a good spirit. I'm going to have a right spirit. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not anybody come to town. I get so sick of people telling me how many women they have to just knock off with a stick. they just chasing me. <laughs> Don't you get tired of that? Praise God. These women in my church that after me. Oh, just, I'll tell you, it's something, Brother Travis, I don't know if I'm going to escape it. It just looks like, it just looks like. I'll tell you, I didn't know women were so bad these days. But it's just getting out of hand the way these women act. Now, I'm, I'm too old for that ignorance. You're not telling me how bad women are. You're telling me that you're not acting very good. You're reporting on yourself, not everybody else. I'm sorry, but I've I learned better than that. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it ain't long till I'm fixing to quit here. Everybody said, praise the Lord. You know, I was, I'm was i like Brother Crabtree. I was with Brother O.C. Crabtree. He's dead now. one of my good friends. He was preaching for me and Gina, Brother Travis. And me and him was out riding around and looking at the broom sage and pine stumps and stuff over around Gina. <coughs> and, uh just talking and just, you know, nothing bad, nothing wrong. We're just talking. Just a couple of men. And he said, you know, Brother Coon, he said, uh, I think then he was maybe 69, 70, somewhere in that range. He's close to 70. He said, you know, Brother Coon, he said, I've been married all these years and pastored for years, traveled all over the country. And he said, there's never been a woman made a passion. I said, hmm. I said, that means me and you both Got beat with the same ugly stick. I said, I'm fifty something and I said, I've never had a woman make a pass at me. He said, but now he said, Now we'll tell you this, he said, I was with a preacher in Florida not long ago and he said we was talking. He said we was out in a restaurant eating. And he said, now this guy used to be out in the world. said, he was quite a ladies' man. said, he got in the church. Said he straightened up. said, no problem with that now. But he's he's living for the Lord, a great man. And he's a preacher now. And he said, I, I made that statement to him. And he called his name. And he said, I told him. said, brother, he said, you know, I'm such and such age. And he said, I've never had a problem with women making a pass at me. And he said, you know what that preacher told me, brother, too? I said, what did he tell you? He told me. He said, brother Crabtree, he said, I've been with you when women have made a pass at you. He said, The problem with you is, is you're not smart enough to know it. And he said, You know, that's a pretty good thing to be ignorant about, isn't it? Hallelujah. Some things you just need to be ignorant about. Praise God. What you going to do tomorrow? What you gonna do next week? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. If I die, it's going to be a gain. But if I stay alive, I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to serve God. Now, I've come to just tell us, folks, in in as, in as nice a way as I possibly can, that we need to just remember where God has brought us from. Remember our commitment to God. Hallelujah. The Lord warned Israel. He said, after you have been long in the land, after you've been there for a while, He said, don't get to thinking highly of yourself and don't get to thinking that I did this and I did that and I did something else. Because He said, it's God that did it all for you. Folks, let's don't forget our heritage. Let's don't forget where God has brought us from. Let's not let the years deface us and turn us aside and cause us to lose our faith in God. Hallelujah. It's just with the years going by that the analysis of the soil of Matthew 13 surfaces because the seed can fall among the thorns and it can fall among the stones. One of them, it's not long till you find out, but uh, but the other one, the seed that fell among the thorns, it's after a long time that the thorns grow up and choke it. What are we going to let time do to us? Are we going to keep the stones out? We're going to keep the thorns out? We're going to keep our heart pure, our minds pure, our souls pure, and walk on with God? Or are we going to let just the accumulation of the years, the little hurts, the little grudges, the little feelings? Brother so-and-so said this. You know what we need today? We need a good mind cleansing. We need to wash our soul. We need to bathe in Calvary's flow all over again and get rid of the baggage of the years, the the hurts and and the failures and the disappointments. And, And we need to get up and say, I'm going on with God. It doesn't matter if you've been bypassed. It doesn't matter if you've been hurt. It doesn't matter if you have failed. It's time to say, I'm going on for God. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Praise God. I'm not through, but I, I don't hardly ever get through anymore. But I've said enough. There's two men in the Bible, and I'll close with this. There are two men in the Bible that intrigue me.
0: <coughs>
1: they interest me. I have studied them and researched them to as much of a degree as I possibly can. And... Uh, I still don't know all I'd like to know about them. The Bible only mentions these two men, if I recall, just in one little passage. And it mentions it far over in the history of Scripture. But if you could look into their backgrounds, if you could back up a little bit, and I won't belabor the point, I could, but I won't. If you could just back up into their lives, you would find both of them standing on Jordan's banks, convinced of John's baptism and following John. They was there the day that John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they turned from following John and they started following Jesus. They was there the day that he chose Twelve disciples, and some of them had not been with Jesus as long as they had. They was there the day that everybody walked away, except the apostles. And Jesus turned to them and said, Are you going to leave also? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And so these two men never said anything. They never did anything. Their name was never called. They was never recognized. But they was there. And they just kept following. The miracles, the wonders, the signs. And I imagine somebody said, Well, man, you know, you ain't got much recognition in this church, a man of your talent and ability. Well, I'm not here for the recognition. Well, what you here for? I don't want to be on the board. I don't have to sit on the platform. I don't have to be in the choir. I don't have to have my name called. I don't have to be petted. And even if 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 Jesus don't shake my hand or the preacher don't shake my hand next Sunday, I'll be back. Praise God. And you you know you've been in the hospital. Did 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 he pay you a visit? No, I didn't see anybody. Well, man, I think I'd change churches. No, no, I don't think so. I'm I'm just just gonna be here. I'm not. I got a pretty thick hide, and I just, man, listen. That last big meeting, they ought to let you preach. I used to wonder why there wasn't nobody but gray-headed people and bald-headed people on the platform. When I was a good preacher, it not nobody let me preach. When I knew everything, hallelujah. You know, brother, you just, you just, I tell you, you. You, you're a blessing to the kingdom, but don't nobody seem to notice. It's all right. It's all right. Praise God. You know they, uh, and your girls can sing better than that bunch they got sing, but they don't ever call on them to sing. Well, that's fine. My kids don't. My kids don't need to be put up every night. Well, I don't think I tolerate Well, oh, that's all right. No, don't worry about me. I'll be here. And these fellas just kept walking. They was there the day He ascended into heaven. A bunch of them said, Well, I don't know if it's true or not. But they turned around with 120 and said, We're going back to Jerusalem. Man, nobody's ever called your name. You stayed when everybody else left. I don't see how you did it. But I'm going to keep serving God. After certain years, I still love Jesus. I'm gonna follow him to the finish. When Judas sold out, they was there in the garden. They followed him in prayer. They followed him in the good times and the popularity. In the crucifixion, they was around the cross, never mentioned. And then one day, as they were in an upper room, Peter stood up and said, Judas, who fell by transgression, And went to his own place. He said, "Let somebody else take his bishopric." And who is there among us that has been with us from the baptism of John unto the ascension of the Lord? The Bible said they looked around, and I'm paraphrasing, and there was Matthias and Barsabas. You mean you've been here all the time? Yes, sir. You, they didn't pick you for an apostle. They didn't. They didn't mention you. Nothing like that. No, man. And you still here? Yeah, I'll be here when the morning comes. Not looking for anything. Just, I just want to follow him. And they chose Matthias to take Judas's place. That's all you ever read. If you hear about Barsabas, now I don't know if it's even the same Barsabas. you can read about him later in the book of Acts when there were some great men that were sent out. And there was a Barsabas that went. I don't know if it's the same one or not. But I really don't think it made any difference. I think Barsabas just said, well, Matthias is a good man. He got the job. I'll be right behind him. I'll just keep walking with God. After certain years, the test of time, What are we going to do with it? I'm glad to stand before you today. and Maybe I haven't done the most. Maybe I haven't been the best. Maybe I haven't been the strongest. Maybe I haven't done everything I could. But there's a real delight and fulfillment to be able to stand before you today and say that after all of these years, I'm glad I've lived for God. I'm glad I didn't quit. Glad I didn't get caught up in anything. Aren't you glad you're in Bible study this morning? Aren't you glad you're at camp meeting? Just being here says a whole lot for you. Let's thank the Lord and let's ask Him to help us to finish. Lord, don't let the years separate me from you. But let it draw me close to you. God bless you. I asked Brother Kirk, I said, what did Brother Kuhn, what was his...